Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Folks and Friends, a podcast by Folks Finance. Here, we invite the brightest builders, creators, and thought leaders to talk blockchain, tech, finance, and everything in between. I'm your host, Ibu Karel. Let's learn something together. Assets discussed on Folks and Friends may be held by participants of the podcast. This podcast is purely educational and not intended as advice. Enjoy the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to Folks and Friends, episode 11. My name is Ibu Corral. I'm the head of partnerships at Folks Finance, which is the leading DeFi application on Algorand, soon to be the leading DeFi application on every blockchain in the world. Um, we'll see. But yeah, Ibu uh, here, here with Benedetto, who is reporting to us from Davos, Switzerland, fresh off of winning uh a nice award and you can tell us a little bit about that how are you today Mark? i am very very good Debo. uh thanks uh, for uh, the warm info and uh, glad to have uh uh zero x Cerberus with us today which is going to introduce us to Li-Fi, which is our uh, newest partner but um, overall davos is going very well uh very vibrant uh side events, web trees, and as well, of course, um, uh, someone may have seen on our socials, we won the um, Crypto 2030 uh, award for uh, top DeFi trendsetters, and uh, was among like 100 competitors who were selected in top three finalists. And uh, yeah, then I did the pitch and uh, we won, so that was Great, uh, very good beginning of 2024. Very excited for uh, all uh, the the hype that you know, I can feel here in Davos about uh, crypto and blockchain. So it's very good beginning. I can't really complain. The only thing is that this space I'm doing it from outside, and Davos is pretty fresh, all in snow. But I'm lucky because yesterday was minus 15 Celsius, so today is plus two. So at least uh, I'm going to survive, but uh, glad to be here. Stay warm, stay safe. Uh, congrats on winning the award, of course. I mean, I'm part of the team, so congrats to the whole folks team. Um, yeah, great way to start 2024. I'm sure everyone is really happy about that. Uh, we do have Cerberus here, like Ben said, who is head of DeFi at uh, LeFi. We're saying it is it LeFi, LiFi, LeFi. I think there's a lot of confusion amongst our team. Um, if you can help us out with that, yeah, sure. Hey guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's we even had debates, you know, internally how how we should pronounce this. Theoretically, it should be from linked finance, so LeFine, LeFi, but I guess that you know. For me, when I'm introducing myself as head of DeFi at LeFi, people are like, head of what at where? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I do like more LiFi. If I can uh, give my feedback, it sounds like more uh, easy for me to remember. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Either way, it's definitely a catchy name. Nice and short. Uh, really stands out. We have Cerberus here. We're gonna we're gonna talk about um, Lefi. I'm gonna just call it Lefi. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so we at folks have recently, uh, started working with Leafi on our cross chain application. Leafi is going to be what powers the cross chain swaps. Um, and we're going to get into a bunch of questions about cross chain, uh, future of the industry, et cetera. Um, first I would love Cerberus, if you could just give us a little more intro about yourself and then kind of go into what Leafi is, uh, then we kind of, we'll take it from there. Yeah. Thanks a lot for, for having me here and also congrats on the, on your latest award. You guys deserve that. I, I really love folks by this. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm the head of DeFi for, for Leafi. Uh, and you know, what about Leafi? So what do we do in, you know, I'll, I'll start from some simple terms and then, you know, try to go more into the chain abstraction that we're doing and the whole, uh, routing algo that we have. So in very simple term, we are a multi-chain transaction rail. So think of us as uh, a railway system that facilitates transactions across different blockchains. So we enhance and streamline the user experience within the, you know, ever expanding DeFi ecosystem. So to enable this multi-chain functionality, we aggregate various fundamental DeFi components necessary to facilitate transactions. So for instance, we aggregate bridges, DAX aggregators, DAXs, chains, solvers, all of them, bringing them together to create. I can't hear anymore. Alright, it's just me. Sorry, can, can you hear me now? Yes, I'm back. Uh, yes, I can. Was hearing there. Can you hear me? Are we good? Yeah. Yes, I can hear everybody now. Great, great. I'm sorry. For... I, I lost you when uh, you were describing the routing uh, between uh, uh, aggregate DEXs and uh, uh, the aggregation of uh, bridges. So you can yeah. connect it back from that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. So I was saying that, you know, the whole aggregation makes swapping bridging and the overall transaction process significantly more user efficient from a UX perspective and also from a price perspective, uh, which means that it's way more gas efficient. And this allows, uh, this allows us to provide the best price guarantee to, to our, our comprehensive aggregation algorithm. So I'll, I'll, I'll just put out, you know, a, a final point here and, and give back the mic. So the advantage of, of Leafy's approach is manifested in various use cases. So for example, just a few examples, uh, market makers can use Leafy to rebalance their inventory without needing to rely on a centralized exchange. Similarly, on-rem services struggling with capital efficiency can leverage uh, Leafy's algo to use on-ramp users, uh, to on-ramp users, yeah, into, into any kind of long-tail assets on chain. And also for, you know, the general DeFi, uh, that, that just wants to offer swaps to make the users more sticky on their front end and not have to send them on a different bridge on a different DAX or maybe a different DAX aggregator, just have it all into one place, have the user stay on your interface, uh, by using Leafy. Since we're talking, oh, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, and that is uh, specifically the case of folks, right? So I think I can uh, add for uh, our audience also how Li-Fi is going to empower folks 
think of it like right now we have an Alton Fox router uh, that it is integrated, uh, of course, uh, in uh, the um, in the app to offer simple swaps, but also Fox router it is integrated on the back of many tools such as uh, the uh, ultra swap for uh, the leverage trading uh as well for uh let's say swap collateral feature rule swap and deposit so very similarly we will do in the new cross chain app uh using LayFi to empower the both the cross chain swaps which is of course the and the most intuitive but also to the more advanced blending feature so that is very powerful and uh, i really believe that in general uh the the opportunity that we have by using cross-chain apps like uh, the folks new lending and uh, uh, LiFi for the swaps um, is uh, empowering uh, users with a total new perspective where the liquidity that you access is not only in one chain isolated but you are indeed uh, using all the liquidity on of the uh, connected chain being interoperable so for Li-Fi, the swaps uh, are going to be much more efficient. And that uh, that is specifically also what will bring for me the centralized finance, thanks to tools like Li-Fi, uh, to get closer toward the centralized exchange. Because one of uh, the pain points of DeFi, it is, of course, the uh, inefficiencies of operation compared to, uh, to taxes. So uh, being able to aggregate liquidity from multiple chains and uh, uh, empower the users to do those cross-chain swaps, it uh, brings to a next level of efficiency in DeFi, which is much needed if we want to close this gap. There's a lot of places we can go with that conversation. Um, since we started Cerberus with you describing Leafy and how it functions, and then Ben kind of followed up with how that's going to be applied to folks, and then the greater uh, ecosystem overall, just boosting efficiency across the board. I, I think there's a question that should be answered for the audience, which is, I'm going to give it to Cerberus first. If the math, like, why isn't the math the same for each aggregator? So in theory, there should always be a most efficient route for every swap. How does LeFi uh, gain an edge on its competitors? If you know, maybe the, maybe the competitors haven't figured out the most efficient route. LeFi has. Maybe there's another angle or aspect that you guys adjust to make sure that LeFi is uh, highly competitive in the marketplace. But talk to us from. Um, if to some, if you were talking to someone who didn't know anything about this, please just like just describe how Leafy gets that advantage in in the market. Yeah, for sure. So you know we can break down this question in into two parts. One is down to the routing algo, and the other one is more generalized. You know how are we uh, different from other competitors out there? So first of all, we have a lot of liquidity sources so think of us as you know 15 bridges with 
six more coming, more than 30 DAXs uh, and DAX aggregators. On top of that, we have now a Solverse network. So, you know, the same as one inch CalSwap, UniAd. So we're getting all the liquidity out there into one API. So this is the first layer. The next layer is that the routing algo. The routing, the routing algo is basically our secret self. And how does that work? Well, for one, we, we, we do find the best routes via a combination of gas efficiency, how fast the quote is, how fast the bridge and the execution will happen. And lastly, the, the, the actual price that the user gets. So all those combined based on, you know, the routing algo that we have, we know for sure that in the long run, we can offer a better quote than, you know, other, uh, of the blue chip aggregators or tax aggregators, or, you know, uh, just as a single bridge because we have multiple options and, you know, one could argue that, okay, so I could just call your API and another API, uh, to to see which one is the best. And, you know, we, we actually have partners who are doing this, but in the long run, we have, again, the data that we are assuming that all things are being equal. If, if one is aggregating us and another aggregator, we should win 50, 50, because we're basically aggregating the exact same chains and liquidity sources. Well, it's not really like that because there are those small inefficiencies when it comes, when it comes to, uh, how gas efficient and the speedness of the, of the quote. So this is how we differentiate ourselves in, in those small, small alpha that we can take from the market and, uh, and apply them into, into our routing algo. And in the long run, you know, we just want to win that 1% more because then 1% more would be, you know, three, five, 10 times order of magnitude, magnitude and get us to, you know, being 80% uh, of the time winner of the, of the route. Just interesting, like those uh, very marginal differences compound over time to create a, an enormous difference. Yeah, exactly. Matt, I have a question. No, no, wait, I have a question for uh, uh, our guest because uh, I just listening to the last answer. I was uh, imagining uh, how would you foresee the future of liquidity providers because, of course, you rely also on the liquidity of the different exits on the different chain. Uh, but it would be very beautiful if we could have a future uh, pools that are uh, uh, natively cross-chain. So that uh, those blocks like uh, yours could be even uh, more powerful. Do you think that this is something that is going to happen? Like it's something that... Uh, your team have been thinking about like just give me your your feedback. Yeah, I mean this might sound a bit controversial, and but this idea of cross chain pools is is a brilliant idea for twenty twenty two. I guess I've seen teams that are launching now this idea that have you know started building two three years ago when it was a great idea, but now with intent based systems and cross chain solvers. We don't really, I, I mean, we, we need them as a core infrastructure into the, you know, greater, uh, greater landscape, but we don't need them as a front end, as a sole front end for, uh, for, you know, just swaps. It, it, it's like the chicken in the egg problem. Like if we have just Uniswap and everyone is using Uniswap, that's great. But if we have, you know, uh, 
dozens of Univ2 clones, then which ones are we using because we don't know which one is the most efficient. So that's when, you know, an aggregator and a solver comes in. And for us, we are, we, we have not started to work with, uh, with the same solvers that, you know, CowSwap and OneInch, uh, Fusion and, and UniX is working. And, you know, the industry is going into that direction that solvers will become multi-chain and they are becoming multi-chain for one, because, you know, they will be able to rebalance, uh, on multiple chain chains, which is not anything new. And the other one is that they will be able to rebalance via centralized liquidity sources, which I know goes, you know, kind of against the ethos of this whole industry. But in the end, given that everything is permissionless and we just want to offer and cater to, to the end user, I don't think that in the long run, it, it's really a problem, but I'm actually curious, you know, on, on what you guys think about this. I think your uh, point of view makes a lot of sense. Um, maybe, I don't know actually if exists already an aggregator that do that, does that, but it would be cool, uh, uh, to have, uh, automated liquidity provision between, uh, uh, different exchange indexes on different chains, uh, by using uh, underlying bridge. So let's say if I know that on a chain, there is a, a pair of, uh, ETH and uh, Bitcoin, uh, with a certain APR later on it could automatically be switching on another chain, on another DEX, uh, with the same underlying asset, right? That would be cool in terms of, uh, efficiencies for the, the liquidity providers in terms of yield. It wouldn't change much in terms of swaps from your side as a swap provider, but I think for the liquidity provider themselves, that would be increased the revenue. But I don't know if as up to today exists any cross-chain, um, aggregator that does that. You know, um, going off that idea, Ben, I think it, it is a solid idea because when, if we back up and think about what the intention of us, you know, a product like that would be, let's say, for example, I had a bunch of Ethereum and all I wanted to do over the next six months was grow my, uh, grow the amount of Ethereum I have. Now it would be amazing if there was some type of protocol or app, which kind of does all the cross chain pooling and adjustments of the position, uh, on the back end, if you want it to, and all you got to kind of tell it is I just want to grow my ETH and it'll kind of bounce your, your, um, capital around to the most efficient places in multiple ecosystems. Is that kind of, uh, comparable to what you were describing? Yep. Uh, Cerberus, there's a lot of legacy DeFi applications that, um, have come, come out over the past five years. Now the industry is very apparently moving to a, uh, cross chain as a standard cross chain as like a baseline almost for, you know, I think DeFi applications launching in 2024 and, and beyond 2024 will almost be expected to have some sort of native cross-chain, uh, either at launch or very soon after launch. Now, where do you see, or what do you think the path is for legacy DeFi projects that were not designed with cross-chain expansion in mind and now have to reckon and accept that reality 
what do you think uh, those projects, like where are they right now? And you don't have to say a specific project because there are a bunch of them in this category. Where are those projects now? What should, do you think they should be doing to adjust to the new uh, the new paradigm? Yeah, good question, actually. So Lefi at core is a B2B company. So we have Jumper.exchange, which is our, our front end, but at core, we are catering to, you know, the biggest DeFi and TradFi players out there. And I can tell you that the DeFi blue chips, you know, the legacy ones that we all know, they're very conservative with their front end for one and also with their cross-chain strategy. So I, I get that, you know, probably all of them are deployed on multiple chains, but they don't really have a, any kind of cross-chain strategy because of the risks of bridging. And I can tell you that, you know, many of them are missing out on a lot of volume and that volume can be translated into basis point and that is going to be translated into actual revenue for, for the protocol. So I do think that they're kind of missing out, but they're, they're now playing the, the catch up game basically. And it's, it, 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 they're not anymore, you know, uh, a project ran, you know, in, in the dorm room of, of a geek, they're big, huge companies with a lot of legal implications. So they, they can't just add, you know, swaps or cross chain bridging, uh, on, on there. But I think that, uh, the whole industry will be cross chain at one point. And even if you're only deployed on one chain, you still want to have uh, and offer the ability to your users to actually, you know, bridge to the final destination chain, whichever that will be, you know, just let's assume it's mainnet and we have you no know, partners that are deployed only on mainnet and they have a cross chain SDK or our cross chain widget to allow, you know, people from the L2 to bridge back directly into their DAP. And this is, uh, actually, I believe for, uh, uh, builders like us that are betting on the cross chain technology, I am perfectly and I aligned that in few years, we will have, uh, all of the major tools at least will be, uh, cross chain. And uh, I mean, this is a good, uh, uh points in advantage for us that we are building now and betting on that because, uh, for example, if I think about other, um, uh, being still focused on the multi-chain model and being conservative, I mean, it gives us time in order to build a better and more efficient product. I believe it is the same for you in terms of swaps. Uh, but indeed I have, uh, one question to ask you because, uh, yesterday I was listening to co-founder of One Inch, uh, Anton, uh, Bukov, I mean, correct. And that he was also presenting that they are going to, uh, launch the cross-chain swaps. Uh, how do you see this as competition? Because of course, one inch is, uh, um, a mainstay in the, in the swap of DeFi, but, uh, I don't know. We all know that crypto, uh, industry changes very quickly. So everything can happen, uh, tomorrow can be like I, uh, but please tell me what is your view on a uh, one inch uh, cross chain uh, launch. Yeah, so we we have a very good relationship with with one inch. Uh, they are one of the main aggregators that are winning routes routes for us. So you know we need to have a good relationship with them, and we think that they have great tech. Uh, about them, 
launching cross-chain swaps. I mean, I guess that, you know, the whole competition is good. We, I, I think that we are kind of catering to different personas in crypto. People do know us very well for cross-chain bridging, even though we have more thing liquidity sources than cross-chain. Um, so yeah, for now, I think that, you know, we're, we're not eating, you know, their lunch and they're not eating our lunch. It's, we are catering for now to the different crypto personas. Where do you think that, um, a company that went into the multi-chain model, they're almost kind of stuck in the middle now between the new cross-chain standard and the single chain standard. So if you are a company that, or I don't want to say company, let's just say protocol application that uh, forked the code, put it on a bunch of different blockchains. How do you theoretically, you know, move forward with all the that extra uh, work that you have to clean up? You know, it seems like almost a very inconvenient uh, position to be in at this point. Now that two years on from the multi-chain fragmentation that we saw, we're seeing uh, solutions like uh, Leafy that can kind of link everything together in a more seamless way. So Cerberus, like I, I will throw it to you first, then we'll go to Ben. But what do you think about that? How does a company deal with that problem if they're in that situation? Uh, I guess that this comes back to the whole debate of cross-chain versus multi-chain and how, you know, each of the camps defies those. Uh, I mean, in the, in the long run, probably, I mean, you know, let's start with some definitions. So multi-chain is, is basically where we're at right now, you know, separate L1s and L2s, not communicating natively, all of them a, uh, in a synchronous way. In a cross-chain world, everything can go from one chain with a state of message to a destination chain with the same state of that message. We are very far away from that. And we are making, you know, some advancements with, with the messaging layers being built out there. And I can assure you that there will be cross-chain uh, message aggregation. We actually have built such, such a tool for or a partner in which we're basically aggregating multiple uh, message passing bridges and, you know, it's all unified and all verified uh, in a seamless manner. So there are, you know, steps done right in, into that direction, but we are, you know, still uh, pretty far away. Yeah, I cannot add a little bit on that. I also know that there are uh, uh, several uh, teams that are working on uh, aggregating and smart routing also the messages based on the need of the different dApps. Uh, this will uh, will generate this the aggregation of uh, the uh, the growth chain messages. But for example, with folks uh, for our specific need in the lending, we also built our own uh, um, aggregator for that. Uh, it's a smart router for the uh, messaging layer that based on the operation that you are doing on the landing, it's going to select the cheapest or the most reliable. Um, so yeah, I believe that in the future we will have more and more tools that can help to evolve this issue. Yeah. 
there probably will be. Um, still, the question remains of, is it even helpful to try to fix problems that maybe didn't even need to be created? So pro uh, companies or applications that are building from only the new standard will uh, benefit from not having to have those extra uh, weights like tied to them. So we'll, it's going to be interesting to see how the cross-chain uh, application space develops. It's going to be super competitive over the next uh, couple of years, I'm sure. But I wanted to ask you, Cerberus, about how you started working in the blockchain industry and how you ended up at DeFi. Uh, I know a lot of people, um, a lot of listeners will probably be interested in... I think it's always an interesting story how people got to their jobs in blockchain because it's not a it's not a typical industry. So just curious how you got here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it all starts in 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 twenty seventeen when you know I I I graduated and I was just curious about crypto, curious in a you know financial way. Like I saw everything booming and I was like, okay, so I can make money here. Probably like oh, 90 percent of the of the people got into crypto. Uh, you know, I've done, done it all, the whole roller coaster, you know, you, 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 you feel like you're, you're on top of the world, you know, smartest, smartest guy in the room, you, you're making a whole lot, a lot of money. And the next, the next thing, you know, you know, you're basically broke. Everything is down 90%. Uh, but yeah, a piece of advice here. I, I always stayed in, in crypto. I never left. Many people are leaving, you know, during the bear market and they're missing out. They're missing out on a bunch of networking opportunities for one. And secondly, thereafter, also on, you know, we've seen the whole, whole farming uh, and airdrop opportunities. So after after the first bear market, I actually wanted to start a network more because, you know, up until then, there wasn't that many, there, there wasn't actually any kind of DeFi. So everyone was, you know, PVP, BitMEX, a BitMEX trader. They were, you know, taking money from each other. And then DeFi came around and people were, started to build companies and, you know, DAOs and alpha groups and so on. So I, I actually uh, had this goal of, you know, networking more and trying to find some kind of, you know, tribe in in crypto. Uh, and I, I founded a... In an investment and advisory DAO with uh, a couple of other Anon crypto friends, which I've met on on Twitter, and uh, I mean, first it was you know just a a chat room. And now it is you know an investment and advisory DAO, do type DAO. But in the beginning, it it all starts with you know a DM. Hey, <laughs> and excuse me, with with that uh, with that experience, I then realized that okay, so I want to go full time in, in into this industry in, in industry because up until then I was a Web two uh, founder. I had a, a startup in Web two, but then I realized that you know I'm th that's going well, but crypto has so much more potential that I just want to be full time here. So with the experience in the DAO and the previous founder experience, I actually got a job at a company uh, which was doing back then dashboards as a service for the biggest DAOs in crypto. And I actually got the job, and this is, you know, another piece of advice, just because I was uh, an active Discord user for, for their community. And I've heard this story, which is, I always love hearing those kind of stories from other people. And I know a story of a guy 
was basically, you know, a community member who became CEO of a pretty well-known wallet uh, in the industry, which is, you know, like in which other industry out there can you become, you know, a representative, a core contributor, or even a CEO of a company just because you and in, 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 you hung into the Discord. Like, think about it. If you would go every single day to your band and uh, had a chit chat with the band teller, do you think you would get hired? Well, probably not. They would. They would probably, you know, call security on you at some point. Yes. <laughs> but in crypto, like and that happened to me as well. Just because I was, you know, an active community member and the founders noticed me, I then started to work with them, and you know, the rest is history. Uh, I, I had that that uh, that experience, and then I was fascinated by the whole cross chain and bridging uh, sector, and I I jumped into another into another role for another interop project, and then I've met with uh, one of the founders and the CEO of, of LiFi at the conference again by doing networking. It was a very targeted meeting, so I reached out to multiple. Uh, bridge and AMBs from uh, from crypto set up meetings with all of them. I already had the experience at, at, the, at my previous job, and I ended up, you know, working with uh, with one of them, and then uh, finally with with Leafy. So it's a combination of you know being proactive and also being strategic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I want to hear you know your stories, guys. Well, your your story about the Discord member. Kind of reminds me of my story. I was um, I was just making videos about Algorand and crypto, and then I ended up uh, getting hired by uh, first a different project, then folks, and then um, and then folks about like a year later. So I think that's probably how most people get their start in the industry, um, just kind of hanging around and being there because there's almost there's no channels really to to go from like a university into the industry you kind of just gotta gotta be there uh it's i i think it's very interesting what do you do day to day um as head of DeFi at lefi um what are your main responsibilities that you think about when you when you wake up yeah i mean you know being in a startup you can basically decide your own job title because the head of DeFi or you know anything DeFi lead, head of DeFi, it doesn't really exist in any other industry or sector out there. Uh, so it's in more traditional terms, I guess that it would be head of BD, but I've seen other head of DeFi's who would consider them head of product uh, in, in crypto. So for me at, uh, at DeFi is more to say as the head of BD or head of sales because we are a B2B company. So that means that, you know, I'm managing all the B2B uh, DeFi partners catering to their needs for one, and also the strategic planning around our DeFi strategy, because, you know, we have quite an extensive roadmap uh, that we have to execute. And our roadmap is, you know, our, it is being driven by user and client demand. So whatever the client or the users want that, then we have to go into that direction and, you know, uh, me being the closest to the whole DeFi community and DeFi uh, partners that we have, I have to evaluate uh, most of the next steps that are you know, more, most suited for, for us to go to. Sorry, uh, my mic was off. 
So do you disagree with the the philosophy um, that was popularized by Steve Jobs, which is that, you know, the, the people don't know what they want. Uh, or even Henry Ford, he said, you know, if you asked uh, a customer what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. So you disagree with that. Like you said, you try to listen to the community and I'm not, I'm not saying that anything is right or wrong, but just more, uh, if you could like explain why you find it more valuable to listen to community than come up with a brand new idea that no one's ever thought of before and, and try to like basically build it and show it to people say here, this is like, this is way better than what you thought you wanted. Um, where do you lie on that scale? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. So if, if we're being very practical for us and what I meant here is that our core product is, is, you know, aggregation, that's our sole focus. And when I say that we're, you know, user and client driven, uh, I mainly say about new liquidity sources, specifically new chains. So we are kind of playing the guessing game, which chain will be the new hottest and most shiny one, but we don't want to bet on, you know, more on exotic non-EVM chain, because it's a lot of work for us to go to a non-EVM chain. And, you know, the base chain is probably a very good example that we were, you know, among the first to, uh, to base, but we weren't, you know, the first tax aggregator there, there. So, you know, that means that we had to see all the huge hundreds of millions of inflows in the first 24 hours to realize that, Hey, this is on our roadmap, you know, by next week, but we did it, we did it this, you know, last week. So based on that, we had to adjust and, you know, be aggressive with that to ship the base chain, uh, faster in order to get those volumes and cater to, to the users. Right. Your business almost relies on, uh, being ahead of the ball. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I joke with, uh, with my team that, you know, we're, we're basically just the average DeFi crypto Twitter farmer, you know, trying to find out which, which, which is the new hottest chain out there. Almost, but then you're, you're almost, you're, you're flipping it in a way because I get, I get what you're saying, but then you guys are providing the infrastructure that all the farm farmers will end up using on some level, which I think is just an interesting, um, parallel. Yeah, exactly. What are some of the most, uh, sorry, what are some of the less obvious implementations of swaps, which you think should or could be more widely adopted in crypto? I, I wrote this question down uh, to the audience before the space. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to think about this because it wasn't the easiest question. But we see swaps, you know, clearly very popular between tokens um, for payments. They can be used. But as you interact with swaps, you know, often on a day-to-day -day basis, have you seen or thought of any cool uh, potential use cases of a DEX aggregator that you think not many people are really tapping into yet? Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm so close to this and I, I actually have the answer, which I, I truly believe that this is the right answer at this point. And, you know, this is some sort of predict of a prediction, 
but the answer would be Zaps or cross-chain contract pool. So Zaps and cross-chain contract pool are basically the same thing. Is that uh, you allow the user to call the contract on the final destination chain, or if it's the same chain or on 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 the same chain by interacting with a contract. So what does that this mean? It basically means that you can start from chain A and end up on chain B directly into a pool, or you can uh, LB with two tokens from Matic on Polygon into a I don't know three curve uh, yearn finance pool all in into one transaction and this is something that the industry and all DeFi start to realize that this is actually very good user experience and uh, this is where I I think you know the the next six months we'll see a lot of you know one click LP here one click mint whatever LSD that is the hottest one in in the market definitely agree I definitely think that's uh it's it's just the logical one of the next logical steps things will just start to get um compressed right like a lot of things that were difficult takes many steps uh will just become a one-click solution i think i'm excited to see how uh different projects interact with that and expand their composability yeah exactly um so what's on Lefi's roadmap for 2024 uh, as we start to wrap it up, I want to, I want to give you the chance to tell the audience about what you guys are planning. Yeah, sure. So on, on our roadmap, so we, we just shipped a Solverse network. So this is exactly what allows us to have native cross-chain contract calls and same chain cross-chain, uh, same chain, uh, contract calls within our SDK and our widget. So now users can basically uh, swap into yield-bearing tokens into uh, on Jumper. Uh, the other one, which uh, which is a big one, is Solana. So we have a partnership with Phantom Wallet, which is great, and we want to roll out Solana fully to all our partners available to Jumper so that anyone can use this and anyone can bridge and swap uh, to and on Solana. Uh, and we also, we're, we're looking pretty pretty heavily at Bitcoin right now. We expect to have that by end of Q2. It's, you know, no walk in the park to, to add native Bitcoin swaps from all the EVM chains that we have, which are a lot. But again, we're seeing, you know, demand for Bitcoin for native swaps, not for, you know, EVM, uh, wrap Bitcoin. So we, we have to go there as well. So those would be, you know, the next, uh, the next big one. And for, for the rest of the year, you know, it, 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 it really depends on how soon we can, we can ship those, but you know, obviously we're looking at, you know, ecosystem because there are a lot of new ecosystems popping out and, you know, it's kind of early to start playing the guessing game, you know, it's going to be say Sui, Aptos, who's going to win this. Uh, but we are looking closely at, at all of them. Right. As a, as a protocol that lies in between chains, it must feel somewhat like an advantageous position because as the industry evolves, as chains become, uh, new chains come out with new capabilities, um, a lot of a lot of action happens in the 
blockchain world, but the cross-chain protocols can almost sit a level above it or a or below it, not really as affected by all the turbulence that might occur within. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is a powerful place to be. I mean, it's, uh, it's probably a lot of extra effort because you have to keep up with all the chains, but you also don't have to worry about, oh, we, uh, you know, we built everything on a certain chain. Now that chain is, is, uh, slowing down or not keeping up with the rest of the industry. You don't have to worry about those kind of issues. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We don't. But then on the, on the other hand though, is there a, a potential, you know, if you look forward, is there a potential concern that you'll add all these chains right now? And then maybe a couple of years down the line, not all those chains are even, you know, functional or working, but you get yes. to maintain your connection to them just because there might be a couple of users on them here and there. So could you foresee that becoming a problem, expensive, uh, technically challenging, or or is it not a problem? Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, that, and we've aggregated chains before that were very popular and became, you know, basically, you know, a ghost out uh, six months later or a year later. That's, that's the risk that we're taking, and that's why we're being so, so strategic about the new chain that we're adding. And when, you know, we have user team and we want to be sure that the actual chain and the whole team and the whole due diligence that we're doing checks up and it won't be, you know, a waste of, of effort. So yeah, it's, it's tricky, it's risky, but we, we have to take those risks and, you know, two years or three years in crypto, that's, that's like decades. Like we've been around for two and a half to almost, almost three years now. And we are, you know, in a, in a good position. But we're still we're 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 still early, you know, as a company. We we managed to raise last year our Series A, and we now you know have a good runaway, and we're we're shipping faster than ever. But still, you know, it's it's very competitive, and you know, two to three years in this industry can can it can change a lot. Definitely can. As uh, changes super super quick. What uh, I got two more questions for you, and the first one is. What is a well-known company or product that you find yourself comparing LeFi to, especially outside of the blockchain space? Um, what's something that the audience could hear and be like, oh, okay, and I, I might understand LeFi a little better from that perspective? Good question. So, well, I think Stripe would be and would be the company that we're, we're comparing, you know, from the more traditional economy. Because we are providing infrastructure for the DeFi economy. Uh, you know, they're providing infrastructure for the traditional finance economy. And we are offering dev tools that enable apps to onboard users from any ecosystem processing, you know, user transactions in any asset. So yeah, probably Stripe is, um, is that one company that we're, we're looking up to. That does make sense. That that does make a lot of sense. Um, and so, as we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, what are your biggest predictions for 
the narratives that are going to drive crypto in 2024. I'm sure you know what I mean by narratives. <laughs> which go, which coin goes up? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, well, let me explain to the audience. Narratives might be something like NFTs or uh, previous to that was DeFi summer. Um, another one was uh, inscriptions lately and um, liquid staking derivatives. Like those were all narratives that drove uh, basically... When the winds of fortune that shift and uh, drive a lot of capital to different places in the ecosystem. That's that's what the narrative for the audience. So back to servers and what I think will be some of the big narratives coming up this year. Yeah. So, I mean, this year I'll, I'll have my eighth year anniversary in crypto. Uh, oh one. Yeah. It's been... It's been a lot. So one trend that I've seen that works, you know, every single cycle is the new layer ones. And I, I am so happy that they're not called Ethereum killers anymore. And they were called in 2017 and in 2018. That was the biggest bullshit ever. However, I do acknowledge that now, you know, looking at Solana, Solana isn't, you know, it's not anymore any kind of, you know, exotic non-EPM chain, which has, you know, free users and, you know, two million in EPL. They actually have DeFi on Solana. And I think that having DeFi on all the new layer ones is good as a competition for the other chains and also for the cross-chain sector to, you know, help them make them interoperable. This is one trend that I, I see. And the other one is, is about intent-based systems. So, uh, intents are, intents are, you know, this industry has this talent of reinventing words and minting new, new terms for things that existed for, you know, oh, yeah. many, many years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, intents are not actually that new, especially in TradFi and not even in crypto, but we. We do acknowledge that you know intent-based systems are are a good trend to follow, and you know for for the audience, an intent is basically saying that I want this to happen at this point. So think of you know you're going on Un Uniswap, yeah, on Uniswap is a pretty good example, and you say that you want uh, two thousand dollars for one ETH, and you know that's the quote, and the solvers will go in the background, which is a gasless transaction, uh, and store for that and give you exactly how much you, you were quoted. Uh, we think that that's a big trend. That's why we, we added the solvers network as well, but at Lefi and, you know, we're still not sure where this is going. If it's all gonna be, you know, two or three solvers solving with, uh, on-chain and off-chain liquidity, and they're gonna rely mostly on off-chain. Uh, I guess that, you know, a lot of people will freak out about that, but in the long run, I think that, you know, as long as the user gets the best quote and the best price execution, execution, they won't really care if, you know, the liquidity comes from Binance or from, you know, a dark liquidity pool. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. And I think going back to your comment about Solana. Solana has graduated from uh, alternative E chain, but obviously doesn't use EVM to mainstay. But we've seen uh, on Algorand and many other chains like 
taking that gamble uh, to be a, a a a intentional, you know, competitor in a very different way. If it doesn't immediately catch or or reach some point of escape velocity, it then becomes very difficult to continue to build up. Um, now, Algorand is doing a good job of building up, but it you know didn't hit the same highs as Solana yet. So, as you can see, it's been not so easy for the ecosystem and some of the projects within. I think we could see potentially similar uh, reactions to the arithmetic. If you just need a good team as Solana had in the in the last cycle, I mean, okay, you know, let's be frank, they had a good, a pretty good market maker. Uh, yeah, I mean, good. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't define good as good, good, but uh, a powerful one. Oh yeah, you said power. Yeah, yeah, I said powerful too. <laughs> same exact time. We said that at the same time. That's crazy. It was though, and I think that's interesting. That's also how I think about it in a way. Is that they had such a, a heavy, strong, powerful backer from FTX that even when FTX fell, they had so much lock-in that they had already uh, like built up um, in terms of capital, in terms of users. Unfortunately, the reality was it seems that a lot of the sole users just became fully underwater and then were unwilling to kind of quit. They, they didn't want to give it up. They didn't want to say, we're done here. They probably expected some type of recuperation of the losses from FTX and Solana, and therefore they were able to kind of stick it out for long enough uh, for it to bounce back in, in a big way. So I think, you know, it's just an interesting story there. Uh, almost like the the difficulties that the, that the Solana community and ecosystem went through almost like built a ship for them or built a force field or a, a shield that like protects them now from like a huge amount of of extra bullshit, uh, for lack of a better term. Anyway, I want to say thank you so much. Um, I want to say thank you so much for coming. I, I just got a message from Cerberus saying that he, he lost the connection here. Um, so just going to wrap up. Thank you everybody for coming to this folks and friends. I apologize for the, uh, anticlimactic ending. Seems like spaces are, um, Oh, we have him back now. So Cerberus, I hope you can hear me. We're just wrapping up the space. I was apologizing to the audience because spaces seem to be a bit glitchy today. Um, thanks everyone for listening. If you want to listen from the beginning or you want to listen to more Folks and Friends episodes, check out uh, the YouTube channel, Folks Finest YouTube channel. It's also on Spotify, Apple Music, or almost anywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. Go check out, um, go follow Cerberus, go follow Lefi on twitter and uh keep up with what they're doing any any closing statements for us cerberus thanks a lot for for hosting this this was great uh very insightful conversation and uh yeah i I'll, i guess i'll see you in the discord and you know uh whenever you you need any kind of you know opinion or Whatever you want to talk cross changes, hit me up. My my DMs are are open always. Thanks for watching. Hit him up, hit him up for the information, y'all. Uh, thank you so much for joining. It was super cool. Yeah, I loved this conversation. I learned a lot. Um, everybody, stay tuned to folks finding social channels. Follow Benedetto. Follow me. Follow Cerberus. Uh, keep up to date. That's how you win in this industry. And yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye.
Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Have a good evening.